Let's take a journey back to 2003. Canadian teen sensation Avril Lavigne was topping the charts and turning the music industry upside down. But what if I told you that the Avril Lavigne we know and love might not be the same Avril? What? Did Avril die? Was she replaced by a doppelganger? I'm Joanne McNally and I'm doing a deep dive into a notorious internet conspiracy. Who replaced Avril Lavigne? Listen wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast. This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash thedebaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC. Hey, Canada, it's hip to be square. From Toronto, home of Nathan Phillips Square, it's the debater. The debaters where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now here's a man who's always a people plaza, Steve. Always great to be back here in Ontario, a province with more than its fair share of agricultural activity. (laughs) Recently, a group of pigs from a farm in Simcoe County got loose and decided to head out on the highway looking for adventure (laughs) or whatever came their way. (laughs) True story. Some say they were hoofing it to Hogtown, although one did get lost and authorities believe that little piggy went to Markham. (laughs) They were all eventually recovered, but it took a while because when police probed the pigs about who masterminded the escape, none of them squealed. (laughs) Now, are you ready to meet two debaters who are a couple of hilarious babes? What do you say, Toronto? This comic won't listen to jazz before he's married because he doesn't believe in premarital sex. It's James Mullinger! James Mullinger, there he is! And this comic buys all his illegal felt pens on the black marker. It's Don Kelly! Don Kelly, one of our favorites, striding confidently across the stage, taking his spot to my right. This topic is one that could be our crowning glory. Coronations. Should they be canceled? Soon, the new King of England, Charles III, and his wife, Camilla, will be crowned. But Camilla has decided to wear a previously used crown instead of getting a new one made. True. Here's hoping this is the beginning of a more thrifty reign of the royal family. Maybe Camilla can get tips for the ceremony watching a used DVD of the Queen. She can wear a vintage dress from Toronto's Kensington Market while encouraging Charles to forego the fancy throne in favor of a gently used Lazy Boy recliner, which they will finally allow the royal corgis up onto. Now for a debate that we hope will reign supreme. So... Whereas crowning a monarch is saddled with over-the-top drama, fanfare, and extravagance, be it resolved that coronation ceremonies should be cancelled. James, you are our first in line to debate this, my friend. You have two minutes starting now. James Mullinger. 
Well, strap in, my friends, because I am well equipped to debate this. I am a Brit, that's what this accent is, <laughs> who has met the Queen, Prince Charles and Prince Harry on separate occasions, all lovely people, yes, but taxpayer-funded coronations in the 21st century are a farce. And that is why I willingly staged my own Brexit. <laughs> to escape all of this fairy tale nonsense. Charles is 74 years old, and he just got his first job. <laughs> of all the European monarchies today, only the United Kingdom still retains its coronation right. Are you going to trust the people who thought that Boris Johnson would be a good prime minister? <laughs> The crown on, on Charles's head is worth over a hundred million dollars. That money could be better spent on something so much wiser, like, I don't know, a second series of Harry and Meghan on Netflix. <laughs> and King Charles will not make as many visits to Canada as Queen Elizabeth did. Why? Because the Queen could go any distance, but the King can only move one space. <laughs> You're welcome! <laughs> and who pays for this nonsense? Members of the Commonwealth. You, me, the royal family need to save our hard-earned taxpayers' money for Prince Andrew's next payoff to a woman <laughs> he claims he never met. <laughs> And, of course, uh, Justin Trudeau is going to the coronation. Yes. He said it'll be nice to meet someone else who was born into immense wealth and power, <laughs> who isn't used to answering questions or paying taxes. <laughs> we laugh at Americans for refusing to amend amendments, but this is a ceremony that hasn't changed in a thousand years. A thousand years back when the British were burning lepers and eating peasants. And the cuisine has not improved much, I can tell you. <laughs> I say, put coronations where they belong. Down the toilet. Now that's a royal flush. <laughs> Mullinger says down with the coronation. Now, in full support of coronation ceremonies, a position he'll never abdicate, let's hear from Don Kelly. I'm reminded of the words of my 80-year-old Ojibwe elder father as we watched a documentary on the ceremony and symbolism of the coronation and he uttered those profound, insightful words. Man, white people are weird. <laughs> and that's why we shouldn't cancel coronations. Weird is fascinating. 
I mean, James, coronations actually bring together indigenous people and British people, yes. We both love ceremonies that are a thousand years old and go on way too long. <laughs> we both love ceremonies infused with spirituality. Did you know that at the coronation, the new royal is anointed with holy oil, then given regalia? Indigenous people have a similar ceremony with the church, except we're anointed with holy oil and then they take away our regalia. <laughs> Congratulations, that was the most Canadian reaction ever. Oh, <laughs> Pick a side, enjoy yourselves, folks. <laughs> now, Indigenous people actually have direct representation at this coronation by Canada's first ever Indigenous Governor General, Mary Simon. So hey, Buckingham Palace, save some rooms because you know she's showing up with some cousins. <laughs> By the way, it's only appropriate we have a governor general who's indigenous. It's the highest office in the land with absolutely zero power. <laughs> and so many fascinating aspects to this coronation. The joy and anticipation of the royal family with Camilla eagerly rubbing her hands and cackling in her Dalmatian coat. <laughs> the drama around whether or not Harry and Meghan would attend because as Harry said in his national interview with Oprah Winfrey, their six-part Netflix special, his 60 Minutes interview, and his best-selling tell-all memoir, <laughs> they just want their privacy. <laughs> I'm dying to hear what Charles is going to say, because how often do you get to hear someone deliver a speech they've been rehearsing for 50 years? <laughs> and if nothing else, I'm sure I speak for all of us when I say we're all united around anything that annoys Quebec. Thank you. <laughs> Don Kelly. Don Kelly on why he actually supports the coronation ceremony. There's a lot, a lot of truth in that opening argument and a lot of funny too, and let's move on now to the bare knuckle round. We are debating whether coronation ceremonies should be canceled. So let's duke it out with a noble attempt. But if the audience says, we are not amused, well, don't get thrown. Hopefully, the winds are a-blowing in your favor. Otherwise, it'll be a hairy situation while I sit here stuck in the Middleton of you two. <laughs> On your markle, get set, go! I have to say, Don's right. Charles does seem like he's been planning this coronation for a suspiciously long time. One of the first announcements was that there's going to be a laser light show. That tells me that he's been making a vision board about this since about 1994. <laughs> uh, come on, James, aren't you just dying to see Prince William's reaction? You know he can't wait to get that glorious crown. I mean, what better way to cover up when you're a balding man than a hundred million dollar hat? <laughs> 
we are, we've been told uh, by the palace that the coronation will, and I quote, look towards the future while being rooted in long-standing traditions. Long-standing traditions is a polite way of saying racism. <laughs> well, far be it for me to say, and you would know, James. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> Thank you for proving my point. <laughs> that's, that's all I needed as an indigenous person is to have uh, colonialism Brit-splained to me. <laughs> all right, that's a good place to stop. That's the bare knuckle round, everybody. It's time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on coronations brought to you by the Queen Consort. <laughs> the Queen Consort. Not nearly as fun as a Queen Concert, <laughs> but both know what it's like to be under pressure. <laughs> Instead of accepting a coronation ceremony, how did the king of Sweden, Carl Gustav, celebrate his kingship? James? Yes, he went on to win the Eurovision Song Contest <laughs> with a fantastic rendition of Dancing Queen. <laughs> what I have here, but two points. This audience is liking this. Don Kelly. King of Sweden. Uh, he spent the day putting together his new throne from Ikea. <laughs> oh, three points. Oh, they couldn't wait. They couldn't wait for that one. Uh, the King of Sweden, Carl Gustav, celebrated his kingship with a simple ceremony called a royal assurance. A royal assurance. On cbc.ca, a Canadian scholar said the Trudeau government treats the monarchy like a Christmas ornament. How is it like a Christmas ornament? James. Because it costs a lot for something that cracks easily and isn't really useful. <laughs> That's a good answer. Thought that too. One and a half points. Don Kelly. It's like a Christmas ornament. Uh, unless you're white and Christian, it probably doesn't mean that much to you. Another two-point answer for Don Kelly. It's like a Christmas ornament in that you take it out of the box, you polish it up, and you show it off to people maybe once a year and then put it back in the box. That was what a Canadian scholar said. We gotta get... We gotta get better Canadian scholars that speak publicly, is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's the firing line, everybody. It is almost time for the audience to vote here at the beautiful Glenn Gould studio, but first, further to his kings and queens opening gambit in support of coronation ceremonies, let's hear again from Don Kelly. I love coronations. <laughs> I love coronations so much that I've been getting fired up by eating exclusively at Dairy Queen and Burger King. <laughs> I do it respectfully. I wear my Burger King cardboard crown as I eat my dilly bar with solemnity and grace. <laughs> I'm even binge watching the King of Kensington. <laughs> because like Charles, they were both in their prime in the 1970s. <laughs> 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 
By way of closing, James, I'm sorry, but shame on you for the hypocrisy of arguing against coronations on CBC, a crown corporation. Don Kelly, he's all for coronations on behalf of the crown corporation. Now, here with his anti-throne throwdown, let's hear again from James Mullinger. Look, who throws a party of this size for a 74-year-old? I just turned 45 when I was in bed by 10 p.m. <laughs> Charles will be asleep before the carriage arrives at the castle and Camilla turns into a pumpkin. <laughs> now, the British lap up all this fairy tale guff because it means more public holidays and another excuse to drink all day and eat cake, as if we needed to rot our terrible teeth anymore. <laughs> and I'm sorry, we can't keep changing the lyrics to anthems. I became a Canadian just last year, and I've had to relearn O Canada three times. <laughs> have to relearn God Save the Queen. I can't bloody cope. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's only one coronation I want to be a part of, and that's Coronation Street. <laughs> James Mullinger against coronations and pro-Coronation Street. And on this network, that might well seal the deal, but let's have the vote anyway. <laughs> Time to vote, Glenn Gould Studio, by applause. Who believed that James didn't Westminster his words when he said we should kick the crown jewels right in the crown jewels? James Mullinger. <laughs> All right. A lot of love for James. And who agreed with Don that when it comes to standing up for coronation ceremonies, we should be standing on ceremony, Don Kelly? <laughs> It's pretty close. But by the narrowest of margins, the winner is Don Kelly. Bring on this coronation. Big hand for James Mullinger and Don Kelly, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Toronto, are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? Then let's do it. This comic got tangled up in a lawsuit until he realized he was wearing it backwards. It's Leonard Chan. Leonard Chan. Recently extricated from a lawsuit. Hi, Leonard. Hello, Steve. <laughs> and this comic bought a blender, but it's taken her a while to get juice to it. It's Sabrina Douglas. Sabrina Douglas. 
There she is, making her way to my right. All right, debaters, your topic is one we hope will add up. Numbers, can they be lucky or unlucky? I'm not sure about that. But I do know some lucky and unlucky letters. In Canada, the letter A is lucky. That's why we put the sound at the end of every question. <laughs> but the letters Y and Z are unlucky because we always get asked, why do you call it Z and not Z? A? <laughs> now, it's time for a debate we hope has your number. So, whereas many believe that numbers possess mystical and powerful qualities, be it resolved, everyone has lucky and unlucky numbers. Leonard, you are arguing for this, please. You have two minutes. Starting now, Leonard Chan. Okay, so I know, I know it's silly to think that numbers can be lucky or unlucky, but you have to understand where I'm coming from, all right? I'm Asian, for the listeners at home. Uh, <laughs> and Asian superstitions are not like Western superstitions, all right? Like Western superstitions are like, oh, you break a mirror, you get seven years bad luck. But Asian superstitions are like, oh, you clip your toenails at night, your family will die. <laughs> Do you understand? The stakes are much higher for us, all right? And it's the same with numbers, all right? Westerners are like, oh, the number 13 is unlucky. It's just like vague unluckiness. But in Chinese, say, the number four, sounds like say, which means death, okay? So Westerners are like, oh, I didn't find a parking spot outside the restaurant, so unlucky. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, that sucks. I'll, I'll help you look for parking after I'm done burying my family. <laughs> I have to believe, I have to, just in case. And look, and I have evidence that the number four is unlucky, right? Like Americans have elections every four years. <laughs> but the Chinese, we know that the number four is unlucky, so we got rid of elections. <laughs> Look, and it's not always bad, right? On the flip side, the number eight, bot, sounds like fat, which means getting rich, all right? Like the best thing that could possibly happen to an Asian, <laughs> right? The number eight also represents the atomic number for oxygen, all right? That's oxygen and money. It is no coincidence that the number eight represents everything I need to live. <laughs> Listen, I've done the math, and trust me, numbers being responsible for our fate is the only way any of this adds up. Thank you. Leonard Chan with a very clear, concise argument on behalf of lucky and unlucky numbers. And I had heard that about the number four in Asian cultures, and my house has two fours in the address, so this is probably the last time you'll hear me on this show. Thank you, Leonard. Now, here to tell us why she 100% doesn't give two hoots about lucky or unlucky numbers, let's hear from Sabrina Douglas. Okay, so I am living proof that numbers are not magical. So anyone who believes in lucky and unlucky numbers, keep that information to yourself. Do not raise your kids with that belief because you will traumatize them. Let me give you an example from my life, okay? Check this out. I was born July 7th, 1977, 7 a.m., 
so many sevens, right? And because of all these sevens, my dad, my Jamaican dad, okay, would give me the same stupid lecture every week. He would be like, you were born the seventh month, the seventh day of 77. You're lucky and you're gonna pick a lottery number and we're gonna win. What is the lucky number? <laughs> I'm a kid, I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, you know it. You mean you refuse to help us? We used to change your dirty diaper. We feed you. Why you want the family for supper? So much pressure that I would come up with random numbers and he'd be like, we better win this time. I'm like, I'm so threatened. Now I'm traumatized, okay? I hate telling people about my birthday. Even when the creditors would call and they'd ask about my birthday, I would give them the same answer. I'm like, seven, 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 but I'm not lucky. And they'd be like, oh, you're lucky. Maybe you should go to Las Vegas, play the lottery. I'm like, really? If I'm so lucky, why are you calling me about my debt then? <laughs> Pay off my OSAP loan. Buy me a house in Toronto, okay? Or else don't call me lucky ever again because the only numbers that matter, people, are the numbers in my bank account. Thank you. Sabrina Douglas does not believe in lucky numbers. It is time now for the bare knuckle round. We're debating if everyone has lucky or unlucky numbers, so give this some forethought. Sorry, Leonard. <laughs> You don't have to put your opponent six feet under, but send this audience to seventh heaven and you'll create a love-eight relationship for the back nine of this debate. It's time to earn your five-star review in three, two, one. All right, Zabrina, I find it hard to sympathize about how everybody thought your birthday was lucky and cared about your birthday. I was born two days before Christmas. Nobody cares about my birthday. You got two sets of presents. No, I didn't. Sure. I got combo <laughs> gifts. I got birthmas gifts. <laughs> like, the best it could ever get was like, hey, for your birthday, here's a toy. For Christmas, here are batteries for that toy. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the bare knuckle round, everybody. Sometimes less is more. It is crazy, Leonard. My brother's birthday is on uh, December 27th, so I get it. And he's Asian. I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> it's time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on lucky or unlucky numbers brought to you by 7 7-Eleven, you might get lucky with the freshness of that heat lamp hot dog, but probably not. <laughs> Why do Italians consider Friday the 17th an unlucky date? Leonard? Uh, because that's when restaurants have to pay their bills. It's their pasta due date. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, so bad it was good. Three points. Sabrina? Well, because uh, Friday the 13th was taken and Freddy Krueger's not Italian. Hey! <laughs> that Italian accent, spot on. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Bang, bang on. Uh, Friday the 17th is unlucky in Italian because in Roman numerals, 17 is close to the Latin for I have lived, suggesting you no longer live. <laughs> 
According to Lotto 649 statistics, what number could be considered the luckiest number in Canada? Sabrina. Not my birthday. Any number but seven. It's a good guess. It's a good guess. Give a point for that. Leonard Chan? Uh, the best number is 1812, because if we didn't win that war, we'd all have the misfortune of being Americans. <laughs> nice answer. We are slowly but surely losing all Italian and American listeners. <laughs> I don't know if we had any, but that's okay. That's a good answer, two points. Um, what number could be considered the luckiest number in Canada? 45, because that number has been pulled the most times since 2009 by Lotto 649. Makes you think, look at this. Look at these would-be... <laughs> I gotta buy a ticket right now! <laughs> in numerology, it's believed that names have numerical values that describe our personalities. For example, Stephen Patterson corresponds strongly with the number eight. The number eight means you have what traits? Leonard. Uh, as I've mentioned, the number eight means that you're rich, which also means that you cannot possibly be in Canadian comedy. <laughs> Plus one, then minus one, Leonard. <laughs> Sabrina Douglas? Uh, the number eight means you're sexy. You got an hourglass-shaped figure like the eight. Eight points. Eight points for Sabrina Douglas. You got it right on. The actual answer is the number eight means you have a, you're a game changer, a manager, and a moneymaker. I'll take it. That is the firing line, everybody. <laughs> Whew. We are zipping right along, and it's just about time for our Glenn Gould studio audience to pick a winner. But first, here again to say that anyone who thinks there are lucky or unlucky numbers has seriously miscalculated. Let's hear again from Sabrina Douglas. Okay, let me show you how traumatized I am by numbers. Check this out. One time, I was pulled over for speeding. Calm down, it was in Brampton. Um, <laughs> and I was crying, right? Um, and the cop asked me this. He's like, when's your birthday? And I gave him the same old answer. You know, I was like, seven, 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 77, but I'm not lucky. And he got upset. Obviously, a magic number believer because cops believe in magic. And he was like, yeah, you're lucky. I wouldn't give you a ticket right now, but now I'm not saying you're lucky. And I was like, I'm lucky. <laughs> but that's when I thought, you know, maybe I am lucky. But let's be real. In this life, you got to create your own luck. And numbers still don't matter. Thank you. Sabrina Douglas doesn't believe in the luck of numbers. And now, here to tell us why he thinks that numbers rule our entire lives, let's hear again from Leonard Chan. Okay, so ultimately, this is just about belief, right? Like some people choose to believe that an old man in the sky controls their fate, which is great, right? But I choose numbers. And I'm not usually one to force my beliefs on others, but this is the debaters and that's what they're paying me to do, so here goes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to convince you with science, all right? I was a former engineer, and I learned that the right numbers can put a man on the moon, the wrong numbers make bridges fall down, and it's how engineers become comedians. Look, <laughs> <laughs> like, I know for a fact that numbers can definitely affect your luck. 
Just ask anyone who was on that bridge. Thank you very much. <laughs> Leonard Chan, a full belief in lucky and unlucky numbers. Sabrina Douglas doesn't believe in any of it. Let's see what the crowd thinks. By applause. How many of you banded together and agreed with Leonard that there is safety in numbers? Leonard Chan. A lot of support for Leonard's belief in the luck of numbers. And who thought that agreeing with Sabrina's anti-number nitpicking was as easy as one, two, three, Sabrina Douglas. That's pretty close. But I've got to give this one to Leonard Chan by a slim margin. Big hand for Leonard Chan and Sabrina Douglas, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson saying whether or not you have a lucky number, you can always count on us to bring you a number of laughs. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Good night. The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Josh Bailey, Graham Clark, Chloe Edbrook, Nicole Callender, and Tracy Rideout. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by James Perella and Chris Sampson. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys and David Pride. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Glenn Gould Studio in Toronto. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.